are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. Well, the title I've chosen for our message today is We need revival. How many agree with that? Amen. I'm just going to take one verse from Psalm 85, verse 6, and you know that's not the only verse I'm going to use before I'm through, but uh, we're going to start off with that. And uh, Psalm 85, verse 6 says, Will you not revive us again? that your people may rejoice in you. The psalmist is, uh, if you read through that, that uh, portion of Scripture, he begins with uh, recalling God's record and how God has blessed and forgiven his people in the past and renewed them and restored them. And this is not the first time that God had done that. And so the psalmist is saying, will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We sang one of the songs we sang this morning is we believe in breakthrough. I believe that when God's people get hungry for him, he will do amazing things. When it seems you're so far down that you got to look down to look up, God can change things around. Our summer is coming to a close, as Ben said. Children will be heading back to school. Days will be getting shorter and nights will be getting longer. Some good news, isn't it? (laughs) The season of relaxation is coming to an end. Parents will be faced with new demands for their time. Sports will soon keep moms and dads rushing to keep commitments. But somewhere in all of the hustle and bustle, God-fearing families will find time to fit God into their busy schedules. And that's what will be happening here at Colate Community Church. I've been aware of this for many years, and early in ministry, Effie and I saw a need for a kickoff Sunday. It serves a great way to call the faithful back to the house of the Lord. We called it Roundup Sunday way back then. I believe the first couple of uh, years that we did it here at, in Coal Lake, it was, uh, it was Roundup Sunday, but uh, when our son-in-law took over, he's not much of a country man, so he changed it. So we call it kickoff Sunday now. Um, for the church, it means a fresh start. It's the beginning of a new ministry season. 
it includes new programs, fresh ideas, and renewed vision. It also is a time for emphasizing the need for revival. We often pray, Lord, send a revival and let it begin in me. And that's a good prayer. We don't need to look at someone else and say they need revival. We each need to look inward and say, Lord, I need revival. Because if I get revived, I'm going to revive, somebody is going to get on fire just because I'm revived. It's catching. And so, it includes programs, new programs, fresh ideas, renewed vision. John, 1 John chapter 5 Verse 114 says, This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And do you know that praying for revival is God's will? God desires that his people would be on fire for him, taking everything to him in prayer allowing him to be involved in our everyday life, our everyday decisions. And John goes on to say in verse 15, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we ask of him. That's positive, isn't it? Very positive. We need a powerful move of God. I need a powerful move of God. It's amazing how quickly we can get back into the rut. You just give up a little bit. You stop reading your Bible a little bit, and it becomes more and more of a habit. You stop praying a little bit, and it becomes more and more of a habit. And before we know it, we're back in the same old rut that we've always been. And we've got to cry out to God again and say, Oh, Lord, revive me, Lord. Restore me. Renew me. I don't like this place that I'm in right now. Like David, we're asking the Lord to revive us again. And there are three key words, revive us again. Amen? Lord, revive us. Revive me. Revive us again. And why is that? The psalmist says, so that your people may rejoice in you. Once God begins to touch our hearts there comes a, a real desire within us. That, that, that well of water that the Bible talks about, that Jesus said shall be in you, a well springing up unto everlasting life. This well begins to spring up again and overflow. We need to be stirred by God's Holy Spirit. We need a fresh spiritual excitement and enlarged motivation to minister in His name. 
and minister the gifts and the talents that he has given us. For salvation to come to the lost, it is vitally important that we be revived and stirred to a greater level of effectiveness for the Lord. If we're talking to somebody about how good it is to be a part of God's family, and we're all looking like we had a drink of vinegar before we came to church, we're not going to be very convincing. But if we're walking around declaring that the joy of the Lord is our strength and and people see that we're joyful, people see that when we sing those songs that we sing, we just can't stand still. And even the old fogies want to dance along with the young guys. And some of us say, well, you know, I'm not dancing, but I'm dancing on the inside. But somehow, it don't look just so good. No one can tell when you're dancing on the inside. Amen? Praise the Lord. By the way, all of these things that we do in church, clapping your hands, dancing, shouting, singing, crying, all of these things don't make us any more holy than someone who was just there very quiet. Okay? Don't ever get the idea that somehow you've arrived to a new level. You've just, you've just learned how to express your emotion to God. And it's very important. So there's no fire in the ashes of the past. We can talk about the good times we had when the God was moving one day long ago. There's no, there's no fire in that. That's just a memory now. We need to renew our relationship with God, not someday, not more convenient day, but now. We need to have the fire of God burning in us right now. We have to start by taking some practical steps. Step one, make God's Word a priority. And I can hear somebody say now, I knew he was going to say that. Well, you're getting to know your pastor. Make God's Word a priority. Psalm 119, uh, 105, and 130 says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 130 says, The entrance of your Word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Jesus said that his words are spirit and life in John chapter 6, verse 63. And that's what I need. I need more spirit, more life. Do you want your spirit stirred? Do you want to experience more spiritual life, more spiritual energy? Have you ever felt that you could one day just let go and just Let that river flow in you. His word will enlighten you, so you need to read that word. It's powerful. His word will give you spiritual understanding, not just head knowledge. You know that you could be able to quote Chapter after chapter after chapter from the Bible without even opening it. 
That can be just head knowledge. You just got a good ability to be able to remember things. But the person who can't remember what you've read after you've read a chapter in the Bible, and after you've closed the book, you can't remember what you've read. There is value to reading it because it gets down into your spirit. And it's there for recall when you need it. Amen? And that is different than head knowledge. Amen? That's spiritual understanding. And that's what every one of us need. And the only way we can get that is by reading the Word of God. His Word will give you a higher quality of spiritual life. So read it often. And come whenever you can to hear it preached and taught. Secondly, worship and praise the Lord. Very important in revival. We can all come in here and choose not to make a, a sound. And we would just have a, a, a performance here. And that, that wonderful youth group that, that did the worship this morning could sing their hearts out, and we would just listen to them, and when they're finished, we would clap, we would applaud, applaud. That would be great. But there's nothing like partaking of the worship. There's nothing like entering in and participating in what is happening. And so praise and worship is very important to the Lord. Psalm 100 says, make a joyful shout or noise to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving or enter into his presence. On a Sunday morning, in a Sunday morning service with thanksgiving. And there's so much to thank God for. And into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endures to all generations. And when we acknowledge that, we acknowledge it through worship and praise. Worship tends to bring gladness to your soul. Singing praises to him tends to bring joy to your soul. I need a greater measure of joy and gladness. Whether you realize it or not, so do you. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, but thou art holy, and this is from the King James Version, thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Do you know that God inherits the praises of his people? Israel were referred to as his people. We 
born-again believers are referred to as his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. It is when the, when the group of people that gather together begin to worship and praise him in song and shouting and praising and dancing and clapping their hands and whatever you choose to do to worship God, it is then that you begin to sense and feel his presence because although we do not go by feeling, but we go by faith. I'm going to tell you, when you reach out in faith and you praise him in faith, you get feelings too. Amen. I'm for vibrant, jubilant worship in the house of the Lord. I love jubilant worship. I love to hear people shouting. I love to see them clapping their hands and rejoicing in the Lord. I love to see people encouraged because there are other people just like them reaching out to God and worshiping Him and praising His name. And like I said before, I'd be one of the first ones dancing along with Samuel if those old hips could stand it. But I'm enjoying myself being your pastor around here for another little while that I just don't want to hurry up the retirement stage. And so we always have to be practical. We always have to use the common sense that God gave us. And we realize there's a time for dancing and there's a time for just standing still and praising God from the depths of your spirit. Amen. So, it's scriptural. It's in the Bible. And it's who we are. Psalm 150 says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. That's in the church, in the, in the, in the meeting house. Praise Him in His, in his mighty firmament. That's all over the sky, the, the world. Okay, praise him for his mighty acts. Amen. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the string instruments and the flute. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. And that's what we're all about. We're not being unscriptural. We're being right on when we're praising God in the way that we know how. Amen. And with what we have to praise God with. All of these stringed instruments here, the keyboard, the drums, everything is here so that we can praise the God to assist us in praising the Lord. Amen. The act of praising the Lord seems to be a, a special sensing of his presence. You don't wait for church service to experience that. Amen? You can be driving down your car. I've been driving my car and I had to pull off and just settle down a bit before I start off again. Amen? You can praise the Lord often throughout the day. You can sing to him whenever you can, whenever you want. Joyful songs, praising God. You can do it in your car, in your home, with friends of like faith. Nothing's stopping us from praising the Lord. You don't have to wait for Sunday to praise the Lord. Thirdly, 
Have an attitude of prayer. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. That don't mean that you got to be on your knees somewhere praying. You can, you can develop a habit of praying where you're just speaking to God just, in, just naturally. Just like there's somebody standing beside you in the flesh and you're just talking to them. People think you're talking to yourself, but that's okay. <laughs> David said, bless the Lord, O my soul. He talked to himself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Praise the Lord. Amen? So fill your day with five-second prayers, with one-minute prayers, with ten-minute prayers, and longer if you find time to do it. Pray the Lord's Prayer. That's one way you can pray. Pray in the Lord's Prayer. And if you pray it slowly and, and, and meditate on each sentence, you will find that that is very, very powerful. I've prayed it many, many times. It's powerful. Pray the Psalms. Many, many prayers in the Psalms. And, and a lot of times when you're reading the Psalms, you'll find that, hey, David, that's just the way that I feel today. Well, what's wrong with praying that? Amen? And you'll be reading the Bible at the same time. Kill two birds with one stone, I guess that's called, right? Pray prayers of thanksgiving. Pray prayers of intercession. Pray sentence prayers. Make your request known to God. Tell him what you want. Tell him how you feel. Bless his name. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says, don't worry about anything. That's hard to do, isn't it? Instead, pray about everything. That's how you keep from worrying about everything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and mind as you live in Christ Jesus. And number four, practice hope and faith. In Psalm 42, 5, David says, why, my soul, are you cast down? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise my Savior and my God. Don't focus on the negative. Look to what God's Word says. Put your hope in Him. Put your trust in Him. All through life, we have had to put our faith and our hope in God over and over and over again. And even right now, Effie and I are believing and you are believing with us for a complete healing in Effie's body. And we want to thank God for what he is doing already. Amen? We don't, we don't focus on the negative. We just think positive. We think of the things that God's Word says concerning concerning our health and our bodies. His word do say that, uh, that he will heal us. He is the Lord that heals us. By his stripes, I was healed. We were healed. Calvary covers it all, folks. Amen. Instead of wishing or hoping for something to happen, a believer knows that their hope is solid, concrete evidence because it is grounded in God's Word. 
We know that God cannot lie. The Bible tells us about now faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance, or it's the matter, the material, the stuff of things hoped for. The evidence or the proof, the confirmation of things not seen. When Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 13 said, And now abideth faith, hope, and love, or charity. These three, but the greatest of these is love. He wasn't, he was in, he was inferring that each has its place. And one cannot be substituted for the other. We cannot substitute love for hope. Neither can we substitute hope for faith. Hope looks to the future. It is always future. Faith is now. Faith says, I have it now. I believe I will receive my healing sometime. That's hope. One day I'm going to be healed. That's hope. Because it's, it's looking to some future time. But faith says, I receive my healing now. By his stripes, I was healed. I am healed. The onus is on me to receive now. You don't want healing in the future. You want healing right now if you're sick. You don't want the baptism in the Holy Spirit in the future. You want it now. You, you, you need salvation now. The future may be too late. The Bible says now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow. Tomorrow may be too late. Hope, of course, used properly, is most blessed and beautiful. We have a blessed hope in the soon return of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of the dead, that's a part of the blessed hope. The rapture of the living saints, that's hope. The hope of heaven and seeing our loved ones and friends, that's hope. It's all in the future. That's things that's promised by God and things that we hope for. But listen to this. Jesus is coming whether we believe it or not. The resurrection will take place whether we believe it or not. The dead in Christ will rise first to meet him in the air whether we believe it or not. Our faith or lack of faith will not affect these events. It is the blessed hope of the church that we all look forward to. But faith is not hope. Faith makes impossible possible. Faith what makes unbelievers, what, what makes unbelievers say is impossible, faith makes it possible. Faith what is what causes things to happen, what discouraged 
believers who have been praying and believing and hoping. And all of a sudden, the revelation comes and you reach out. And just like on the day when Jesus walked by that man that was crippled and said, take up your bed and walk, and nobody knows how it happened, but he just picked up that mat and walked leaping and jumping and praising God. That's faith, my friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so, number five, Repent of all known sin. Confess your sins. Turn away from sin. Stop sinning. And when you mess up, say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. Pick up. Keep going again. Okay? Unrepented sin is devastating to our walk with God because God says, your iniquities, Isaiah 59, 2, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that you will not hear. He will hear your confession and grant you forgiveness. Hear me? He will hear your, your confession and he'll grant your forgiveness. But if you, you, if you persist in going on sinning without asking God's forgiveness, without repenting, and repenting is turning, is not just, repenting is not just saying, Lord, forgive me. That's not repenting. Repenting is, okay, I'm going this way, I'm sinning, I'm going this way. And all of a sudden, I'm convicted of that sin, and I say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've, I've sinned, forgive me. And I repent of that sin. And now, I'm going the other way. I'm walking with Jesus. I'm living that life that is pleasing in his sight. And if I mess up and I start going the other way, as soon as I realize that I've messed up, I can say, Lord, forgive me. And I repent. And you might have to do that a number of times in your lifetime. Amen? But that's our God. Amen? And that's revival. That's what we mean by revival, is putting away the sinful things, the sinful habits, the sinful deeds that we're doing, and saying, Lord, I'm sorry, forgive me, I repent, I'm going to stop doing that. And if you've done it so often that it's turned into a habit. You may have to repent 20 times a day. But if that's what's necessary, then you have to do it. Amen? If you want revival. Sin brings a wedge, a separation between God and his people. Acts 3.19 says, Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And that's what we need, friends. That's what we're talking about. Because when, when repentance takes place, the next thing in revival 
is the refreshing from the Lord, and everyone loves that refreshing. Amen? You don't have to put that on, folks. You don't have to make believe because that refreshing just fills your heart and your soul. And if that's what you want, you, if you, then you're, if you're willing to ask God for revival and ask God to, to, uh, to uh, forgive you for your sin, then you're going to have real, real revival. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself. How is your faith? Examine yourself. How is your faith? How is your walk with God? How is your conduct? If you detect sin in any area, there's only one thing to do, and that is repent. Turn back to God. Then the times of refreshing will come. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.